morning. Welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church to our 11 a.m. worship. Welcome to all of you who are here in our sanctuary as well as those who are joining us through our live streaming service and listening on WRR. It is a joy to see all of you. All of you will find a friendship pad registry, uh, a friendship registry pad in your pews. I ask that you'll note your attendance and also note the names of those who are sitting next to you so we can continue to grow as a family of faith. If you are new or visiting among us, welcome. I hope you'll join us for fellowship after worship. There are church members with bright yellow name tags who are eager to greet you and they have a special gift just for you and um, want to welcome you into the life of this church. Friends, at the back of your bulletin, you'll find several ways to serve and to grow and connect throughout this week. I want to highlight um, something that is not on the bulletin, that is after uh, this sermon series concludes, we have a new sermon series we're going to kick off next week, and it's called Seeking the Welfare of Our City. And this title comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is talking to God's people who are living in exile at that time, and we're going to explore and unpack this scripture text for our lives and what God might be inviting us to do as we get to know our city. And we get to know the ways that God is inviting us to be rooted and to be planted in our city. So we hope that you'll join us on over the next three Sundays for that sermon series. And you'll have other opportunities to explore that text. We have a Monday pastor's Bible study that meets at lunchtime. And we're going to listen to some TED Talks that we're going to hold in conversation with our sermon series as ways we can seek justice and compassion and peace. Um, and we also have a special class on February 24th, where one of our ministry partners will be here. This is a nonprofit organization in town called ACT, which stands for Advocates for Community Transformation. And they empower residents in our town to bring crime rates down in their neighborhood. And so I hope that you'll join us on February 24th at 9.30 for that class. And you'll see artwork throughout our building that will highlight the realities that we have in our city. Um, so it's going to be a really exciting time, and it's going to spark a lot of interesting conversation. Friends, I also want to invite you right after worship this today uh, for some lunch and fellowship in uh, Jubilee Hall for our second Sunday lunch. And if there are other ways that you're looking to connect and you haven't found a way to do so, there is a connect card in your pew. Please use those and let us know how we can walk alongside you in your journey of faith. And on the other side, it's a prayer card. And if there's a way that we can pray with you for prayers of joys and concerns, it is always a privilege and an honor to hold those prayers um, in, in our hearts throughout this week with you. So family of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
join with me in our responsive call to worship. When we come to worship, we bring the joys of life and cherished memories. When we come to worship, we bring big questions and significant fears. When we come to worship, we bring all of ourselves with all that we bring and all that we are. Let us worship God. to condemn, but, but, but because this community reminds us how much God loves each and every one of us, and so we cannot help but want to set things right again in our lives and the world. Please join with me in our responsive prayer of confession. Let us pray. We have heard it said, love the sinner, hate the sin. God, we confess that we often believe this fact truth. We confess that we often attempt to separate what a person does from who a person is. We can 
forgive us, merciful God. Remind us that you call us to love wholeheartedly, without judgment or condition. Remind us that you created each one of us in love. Remind us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. The truth is, is that each one of us is created in the image of God. And there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can ever separate us from God's abundant love. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. As God's forgiven and reconciled people, we turn and share the peace of Christ with one another. So may the peace of Christ be with you. Please share the peace with your neighbors. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So as Kathy said during our announcements, this is our final week in our current sermon series, a Googled faith when the answers you've been fed don't add up. We've been exploring together now for five weeks uh, those moments and those questions that drive us to go to Google to make sense of our lives and our theology and the world around us. If uh, you missed any of those sermons, they're on uh, iTunes, they're on our website, and I would commend them to you. This Sunday, we're going to explore this question. How do we... Love the sinner and hate the sin. It's a statement uh, that seems, uh, just on the surface, is not all that problematic. It, but we, uh, we quickly learned that this is not a statement that comes from the Bible, necessarily. It's not a statement uh, that Jesus ever said, uh, which I think we need to explore this morning exactly what Jesus said. If the statement didn't come from Je Jesus, where then did it come from? St. Augustine, uh, a is credited for creating this statement when he said, love humankind and hate sin. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said it this way in 1929. He said, God hates sin.
but loves the sinner. So then, what does Jesus have to say to us? We're going to uh, turn to the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to pick up uh, at verse 9. And I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men uh, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Those uh, thieves and rogues and uh, those adulterers or even like this tax collector who's sitting in the pew behind me. Okay, that's not in your Bible. <laughs> he went on to pray, you know, Lord, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector uh, standing far off, the tax collector would not even look up to heaven. But he was beating his breast and he was saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. But all who humble themselves will be exalted. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here, that you hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hover over the waters of creation. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here to create a fresh and anew this very day, to breathe through life into these ancient words, that they may be your word to us here and now that you hover here so that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I need to begin today uh, with a confession. I have baggage with the statement, love the sinner, hate the sin. This uh, baggage originates from when I was in high school. And parachurch organizations, those are organizations that, that function outside of the church. Parachurch organizations in my hometown would dole out this statement as advice. They would dole it out like Tic Tacs to we teenagers trying to convince us that this was the way to live a faithful life. While on the surface, uh, this statement seems harmless. I mean, how much damage can really be done with loving the sinner, hating the sin? I quickly learned that there were deeper implications for how this statement was to be implemented in our lives. It was to be implemented in two phases. The first uh, step meant to 
see people as sinners, to love sinners. So to see people as broken, to see them at fault, to see them not as fully who they were. Next step was this. If the sinners that you were trying to love continue to commit sins that reached a level on the sin meter, you were to separate yourself from said sinner to break the relationship, to not be friends, to cast them aside, to make sure your group didn't get any of their sin on you. For instance, I grew up uh, with a guy named Joey. Joey was my best friend. He was like a brother to me. Uh, we played year-round baseball together. Oftentimes, uh, Joey would ride with my family to tournament games. And when my parents couldn't drive, I would ride with Joey's parents to our tournament games. We spent every afternoon together. We rode in his dad's old beat-up Cadillac all over the country roads of Aiken, South Carolina. On Christmas morning, Joey would come to my house for breakfast. And then we would turn around three hours later and go to his house for brunch. We were teenage boys. We ate a lot. <laughs> Every summer, Joey and I could be found together in that Cadillac, going to the swimming pool, going to the ball, going to friends' houses. Though when we were in high school, later in high school, Joey uh, was in a period of his life that he was making some bad decisions. Uh, looking back on it, while Joey's mom wouldn't have approved of his behavior, I wouldn't necessarily call his actions harmful. But Joey's actions went up against what a parachurch organization that I was a part of deemed acceptable. His behavior was beginning to push the limits of even what I felt comfortable with. But Joey and I were like brothers. We did everything together. And so when one of the leaders of the parachurch organization that I was a part of sat me down one day and said, Matthew, I think you should consider not being friends with Joey any longer. His sin, man, is, is, is bringing you down. I think you need to sever ties with him. I followed that leader's advice. And I'll never forget the afternoon that I sat Joey down and I said, man, Joey, you've been my best friend for a long time. But I'm not, I'm not sure that we can be friends going forward. Joey looked like I kicked him right in the stomach. And then I said some things like this. I love you, man, and, and our, I appreciate our friendship, but, but your behavior is bringing me down. <coughs> Your behavior is not a good influence on me. And I can't, frankly, man, I can't be around sin like that. 
Therefore, I don't think we can be friends. I mean, I was basically perfect. (laughs) I was basically perfect. So, I couldn't be around anyone who would bring me down. I gotta tell you, uh, as much as I wanna make a quick joke about that this morning and all of us laugh so that I don't have to recognize my pain in telling this story, I think that we have to pay attention to the pain of our lives and the pain that we cause others. You need to know uh, how much this still churns in my stomach when I tell you this story. How embarrassed I am by this entire situation, especially the self-righteous tone of that day. I can see now what I couldn't see then. I could see so clearly now that if one hates the sin enough, if one hates the sin enough, inevitably that hate will spill over to the person associated with it. Oh, I can see that clearly now. I couldn't see it clearly then. I can see so clearly how this statement has caused so much pain. I can see how it's done harm not only to our inner personal relationships, like the relationship between me and Joey, but I can see how much harm and how much pain it has caused, especially to our friends who are persons with different sexual orientations. It's been this statement, y'all, that has been deployed against them. We've been told, uh, you know what, I can, I, I can love my son or my daughter or my niece or my nephew or my college roommate or my friend. I, I can love them if they can just separate who they love from their life or their faith or their behavior. If they can do that, then we're good. If they can't do that, then please, please. Don't get what I perceive your sin to be on me, which let's be clear just for one second. That is a perception of sin. I would be remiss to say this, of all the world's problems, the root cause has never been or will never be too much love. Friends, um, if one hates the sin enough, whatever it is, inevitably that sin will spill over to the persons associated with it. And that's exactly the opposite, it seems to me, of what Jesus wants for us. When we uh, lean into this statement, when we live this statement to the max, it ends up at conversations like the conversation Joey and I had. Because it's the lens by which we uh, are to see the whole world. 
Love the sinner, love the people who are broken, and pray to God that their brokenness doesn't reach the sin meter enough. When every person, when we walk around and we see that every person is in the wrong, or everyone has the potential to bring us down, or every relationship has a breaking point, when we view the world and people like this, it keeps us in the position, does it not, to throw the stones at those who are in the wrong. Which, as I understand the gospel, seems like the very opposite message of Christ to me. The more I read and the more I study and the more I live, it seems to me that Christ approached every person as if they belonged to him. In fact, Christ made a habit of going to the margins to claim the people that the world had discarded, cast off, and said, away with you. It's... uh, Why no one was off limits to Christ, it seems to me. No one was beyond his compassion. Even the woman who had been bleeding, hemorrhaging for 10 years, she was ritually unclean. She was a woman. She was outside all that was allowed. Jesus claimed her. No one was beyond his love. Not even the person who had been married seven times. No one was beyond His compassion or his love or his mercy, everyone, no matter their past, no matter their pain, no matter where they are from, no matter their gender, no matter their profession, no matter who they loved, and, dare I say, no matter their faith status, and certainly no matter of their past sin, they belonged to Jesus. In our passage this morning, Jesus told this parable. And that setup line is one of the greatest setup lines to a parable in all of Scripture. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Dear Matthew, about your conversation with Joey. (laughs) Two people went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee prayed by listing all of their good deeds, their perfect and faithful behavior. God, I am so thankful that I'm not like all of those sinners. Not like all those other people, those thieves and rogues and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And there's that tax collector. And let's be abundantly clear here for a second. Tax collector in the Bible, we all just understand that they're universally hated. Got it? There's that tax collector. He's at the temple and he can't even, I I read the text and I envision him. He can't even bring himself to look up to heaven. His guilt and his shame have him looking down and he is simply praying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus lifts that person who is hunched over. Jesus lifts this up. This person, he lifts him up as an example of how we are to approach prayer, how we are to approach faith, that we are all in need of mercy equally. You know, Jesus never said love the sinner, but he did say um, love your neighbor. When, When our eyes are oriented 
to see every person as a neighbor, someone that we trust, someone that we belong to, it points us to a relationship that isn't easily discarded, a relationship that's not easily cut off, a relationship, dare I say, that is not contractual. Jesus says, love your neighbor, and then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, how we doing with that one, folks? doing with loving ourselves no wonder we uh, judge folks so harshly judge ourselves same way I don't know about you you can get 47 really nice emails you get that one mean email and you think man I really am not that good you do everything right you think you got great kids Then you hit one of those seasons and one of those patches and you think, man, it must have been something I did. We can turn to shame in an instant. Can we not? When things don't go our way. Oh man, we can can take the pain that we carry. The pain that's not been transmitted in our lives transformed in our lives, the pain that has not been transformed, and we can transmit that pain to the people that we're closest to, to our partners and our spouses and our colleagues. Our guilt over past wrongs can drive us to make poor decisions even today and in the future. How are we doing with loving ourselves? truth of the matter is none of us are perfect we know that the thought that someone else could bring us down it's self-righteous it is because we aren't being truthful with our own lives Uh, sin in the bible in the greek and in the hebrew is literally translated translated this way To miss the mark. And we miss the mark in really small ways and in really big ways. And the reality is we can't, even in our own lives, separate our best selves, the selves that we want to post on social media about, from the selves that are broken and we don't want anyone else to know about. We can't separate our lives from the good and the bad. Our lives are beautiful yet broken, absolutely holy, and yet absolutely messy. They're both. So to suggest that we look at people first through the lens of judgment, and then put every relationship on the chopping block, It seems to me we aren't doing a very good job of living like we belong to one another. It seems to me that that's not the invitation to this life that Christ invites us to. Christ came to teach us that God's relationship with us is not transactional, but rather it's covenantial. And do you know who taught me this? I went to high school with this guy named Joey. He was my best friend in the whole world. 
We played baseball together. When uh, I couldn't get to the tournament, I'd ride with his family. When he couldn't get there, he would ride with my family. Joey was like a brother to me, and one day I was an absolute schmuck to Joey. I was just a jerk. I sat him down one day, and in a very self-righteous conversation, I said, Joey, you know, man, your sin is bringing me down your behavior over the last couple months. I just can't agree with it. My best friend Joey looked at me. He took one look at me and did not even wait one second. And he said this to me. You don't want to be friends with me because some of the dumb things I've done recently. What about all those times I stood up for you when you did dumb things? You want me to remind you of those times? And I said, no, man, I'm queer. (laughs) He said, you're like a brother to me. There's nothing, nothing that you could ever do that would change that. And there sure isn't anything that you could ever say that would change the fact that you're my best friend. I was absolutely overwhelmed with his words. I didn't know what to say. And so I stood up. And Joey didn't say another word. He stood up and he gave me one of the biggest bear hugs I've ever received in my entire life. And then we continued down the path of friendship. Friends, that's what miracles look like in our lives. That's where holiness is played out in the midst of the ordinary. That's how our lives and our hearts and our minds are transformed. Joey taught me about what it means to be in relationship, what it means to follow the words of Christ. Love the sinner, hate the sin. No. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself by the grace of God. That's the invitation to the whole thing. May it be so for you and for me and for this world that God so loves. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Family of faith, having heard the word read and proclaimed, I invite you to rise in body or in spirit to join me in the affirmation of faith. What is it that we believe? God created human beings with a need for community and with freedom to enter into it by responding to their maker with grateful obedience and to one another with love and helpfulness. Since every human being is made for communion with God and others, we must treat no turn to God to pray for ourselves and our world, I want to lift up the names on our back of our bulletin. 
and invite you to hold those names in your hearts in prayer throughout this week. Let us go to our loving God in prayer. God of steadfast love and faithfulness, in the midst of our hurried lives and cluttered minds, we pause to stand in awe of you. And this silence remind us that you are the great artist, painting beauty and the world around us, breathing life into dust, ushering through all four seasons in one week. You remind us that we are not the ones in control of this world, but rather how this world is a gift to us, to be received with gratitude and with great humility. Remind us, O oh God, how in this world you ordain leaders to govern and to guide us and to pursue the common good. How you call forth caregivers, parents, teachers, and mentors to nurture and love us as you love. Remind us how you give courage to those who are sworn to protect and to serve us with their very lives and how you offer unending possibilities in the minds of scientists and creatives alike who design and discover new ways for us to live and be with one another. And Holy God, remind us how you love all the children of this world whose innocence and unfiltered delight are full of wisdom and joy. Gracious God, remind us how you are present in our very lives, how you rejoice with us in times of celebration, how you mourn with us in our times of sorrow. May our current struggles be dimmed by the light of the hope you offer us, for we know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And so may we trust that all of our losses our job losses, fractured relationships, unachieved dreams, our grief, our anxieties, that all of these things are held with tender care in your hands. For it is your son who reminds us that no one is beyond your love, no one is beyond your compassion, for we are all chosen and beloved and blessed by you. And that your son, by healing the sick, welcoming the outsiders and the poor. He reminds us, reminds us all of our place in God's holy kingdom, side by side, elbow to elbow, saints and sinners, all seated at the lavish table of God where we are met with overflowing love and grace, and where we are invited with one voice to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power,
family of God, we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that means that when there is suffering in the world, we have to respond. So this month, one way we are doing that is by supporting the ministry and work of the Genesis Women's Shelter. It's an incredible organization that is helping to provide safety and shelter for women in our community who have experienced abuse. But it's also going a step beyond that to educate people on how to care for one another, on how to be neighbors. So friends, I invite you to give generously now to a good and gracious God.
We offer our gifts, our lives, our compassion, our service to others and to your creation. Bless all that we offer so that we might be blessings of hope, peace, and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I would like to invite those traveling on the racial justice and equity pillage to come forward with your bulletins um, and to stand on the chancel steps facing the congregation. On Wednesday, a group from the church will be leaving on our first ever racial justice and equity pilgrimage. We'll be traveling to Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. As a team, we will experience the history of the civil rights movement through historical locations and touch points, as well as the stories of those who were closest to the movement and many who participated in it. In part, the trip is an expression of this congregation's commitment that learning and faithful transformation through the spirit happen not just here in this building and in the sanctuary, but also in relationships and in journeys from one place to the next. The trip is also an expression of our commitment that God is calling us to do the holy and messy work of racial reconciliation. We know that we will not always get it right, but we also know that we have to risk and stumble forward together. So this group travels in order to listen and to learn, to bear witness to history, and to hear the stories of others. The experience is intended to transform our hearts and minds that we might come back and be catalysts for this congregation's ongoing work in racial justice and equity and transformation in this congregation and in Dallas. The team covets your prayers and invites you to follow along on our journey. I will be blogging all week and we'll also have some videos and pictures up on Facebook and Instagram, so we invite you to travel with us starting on Wednesday. As one body with many parts, we commission these members to go on our behalf. So hear these words from the prophet Micah. God has told you, immortal, what is good, what does the Lord require, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Please join me in our congregational covenant and commissioning listed in your bulletins. With God's help, we go to join in what God is already doing in the world. God calls us to love God and love our neighbor. With God's help, we go to bear witness to the good news of reconciliation in Jesus Christ. Jesus frees us to love God and love our neighbor. With God's help, we will listen and learn, seeking to witness to the stories of others and be transformed by the Spirit. Together as one body, we are able to love God and love neighbor. With God's help, we go so we can come back, empowered to work for a just world for all. As you go, we go with you, awed by God's wonder, present with our prayers, changed by your commitment, and empowered. 
empowered to work together upon your return for a just world for all. Friends, let us pray. Holy Spirit, go out with this team if they have answered the call to be your presence in the world. Surround them with protection, fill their hearts with joy and thanksgiving. Pour out your wisdom and grace into their service. We give you thanks for those whose stories we will encounter, for their hospitality and generosity, and the invitation into their lives and their community. May our partnership be a light in this world so that all may know your glory. And God, bring this team home safely, that we may all be empowered to continue your work in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, team, you may be seated and let us stand together and sing our sending
friends, as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, may we go trusting that all belong to God. May we seek to live like we belong to one another. Or more simply put, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we go, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth. And far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every last one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many ways. Amen.